Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite team. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chat. Bennett up the near side, looks across for Hagee. High slot shot. He scores! Connor Verhage, the overtime winner here in game three. The Panthers take it three to the final. Oh, my goodness. Uh, exciting playoff for the Florida Panthers, wasn't it? Of course, that was the last game they were able to win, but all the way to the Stanley Cup final. And uh, our next guest, well, he's very, always very generous with his time. And one of the the best parts about my job, and I'm very lucky to do what I do, but I get to meet a whole bunch of people who uh, I, I don't travel, but the people coming through with the uh, NHL and sometimes the CFL, I get to meet all these other broadcasters and get to talk to them and get to have them on the show and get to hear their stories. And this next guy, it's Doug Plagans from the Florida Panthers play-by-play chair. Uh He's a very interesting dude. And I said to him during the playoffs, I said, I hope you can come on in the summer and we can just tell some stories and talk about not just your broadcasting career, but some of your other interests as well. So, Doug, thanks for doing this. How's life, man? Everything's great, Reed. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on the show. Well, thanks for doing this because, of course, you know, after uh, 9 o'clock Eastern, so I I don't know if anybody in your life was like, seriously, you're going to do a radio show in Edmonton on August 2nd. So this is really cool you're doing this. How How are you keeping busy in the summer here? Oh, you know, just uh, any number of things, just kind of, uh, it's a short off season. So already, as soon as the, you know, cup final ended, it was like, all right, time to turn the page and uh, start getting ready for, for the 23-24 season right after the, right after the cup final ended. I mean, we had a, we had a schedule, we had a draft, we had a free agency. The Panthers were certainly uh, busy there, shore, shoring up some depth throughout the uh, lineup and throughout the organization. So, uh, so they were active there, and we've had plenty of community things going on. As you can imagine, you have a playoff run like that, and the buzz throughout the community down here in South Florida is exciting. Obviously taking the time to uh, relax and decompress when we can, but we're already gearing up for, uh, for another season. It, it's crazy. It's, it's August already, so we can officially say the preseason starts next month. Uh, and when you put it that way, it, it's kind of crazy to think about, but we're almost there. Yeah, we, indeed. Training cap and preseason games next month. You're right. You got to call, uh, we played a clip from the Stanley Cup final, but you got to call what is now the sixth longest game in NHL history, Kachuk scoring in the conference final after almost 80 minutes of overtime against Carolina. What, I mean, what was it like calling that game, like keeping your voice sharp? I assume you probably had to try to find a snack at some point. Take me back to that night. Well, you hit it right on the head there. I will tell you this, and obviously being an employee of the team, when, when I go to the arena, you know, I'm, I'm going there hoping to win a hockey game that night, uh, just like everybody else is. So as the game was going along, I didn't care if that game went to 25 overtimes. As long as we got out of there with the win in game one on the road, that was uh, a good enough outcome for me. And the only non-hockey thought that I had was probably after the second or third overtime, it dawned on me that I hadn't had a meal in like eight hours. So I was starting to get pretty hungry. But but as as things went on, you know, in that game, if you recall back to it, and – it's, it's amazing how many people I've talked to across North America who said they were glued to that game and specifically some people out in, you know, your time zone and in the, in the Pacific time zone who, uh, you know, they remarked that it, it was getting late for us. 
So the fact that it was getting late, uh, you know, that uh, just illustrates how late it was getting out east for that game in, in Raleigh. But uh, throughout that game, there were great saves, great scoring chances on, on both sides. Uh, you know, Sergei Bobrovsky was unbelievable in that game. So was Freddie Anderson. And, uh, and as that game went on, I also remember thinking in the overtime, you know, sometimes when you get deep into overtime, and sometimes it doesn't even take the entire first overtime to get to this point, but the game starts to, it starts to turn into a little bit of a chess match. Neither team wants to make that critical error, but these two teams were aggressive. And I think those are hallmark traits of, of Paul Maurice and Rod Brindamore's teams throughout the season. These two teams were aggressive, and they were both playing to win it, and both goaltenders were challenged. And as that game was going on, I remember thinking, this isn't, this isn't your typical deep into overtime game because these goaltenders are really having to work, and there have been consistent scoring chances, and there really hadn't been lulls, and the, and the tempo never really felt like it slowed down very much considering – how just exhausted I'm sure both teams were. But as that one was winding along, I remember when Matthew Kachuk scored, there was a, a hair over 12 seconds left in, uh, in that fourth overtime period. And you could sense maybe they caught Carolina a little off guard there. And, and in those waning seconds, Sometimes you just need to get that one chance. That's all it takes to end the hockey game. And it was some just hard work in the offensive end. Sam Bennett setting up Matthew Kachuk, and that wound up being the game winner. And I told this to a number of people. You never know how a team is going to respond or recover on either side after you have a game like that until it happens. But considering it was game one, it was on the road, and the Panthers were coming off that, you know, uh, that just uh, a great, a ton of momentum, I should say, coming off that win over the Toronto Maple Leafs in five games in the round prior. Uh, I feel like that win probably carried a little bit more weight than than one win in a playoff series typically would. And the other thing you can't you can't forget there. Let's not forget that. It was like three or four minutes into the first overtime. Ryan Lomberg thought that he had scored the game winner. It was called back for goaltender interference. We played on, and we played on for about another three hours. So right. <laughs> uh, that was one that had a, a lot of twists and turns. But I guess the, the long and short of it, too, and this is kind of a theme, the Panthers were 7-0 and in overtime games throughout that playoff run. And you could sense it from Game 5 in Boston in the first round, the game they won to force a Game 6, ultimately force a Game 7, which they also won in overtime in Round 1. They just really thrived in that kind of situation. They came out with a real comfort and a real confidence and a looseness, but a healthy looseness in overtime, and it paid off for them. And, you know, it's, there's no doubt that experience like that's going to matter for this team, uh, you know, not just uh, next season, but in the years to come. Anybody who played in that game is going gonna, is gonna to be able to draw from that. Yeah, for sure. Doug Plagans joining us tonight on Inside Sports Play-by-Play Voice for the Florida Panthers, some reflection on their playoff run. Okay, we want to touch on some other things about you. Uh, we'll start with the broadcast. I want to go way back, though. Where did, where did you grow up? And what sports were you into as a little guy? Well, I grew up in the Detroit area. The first thing I ever wanted to be professionally, once I, once I realized that being a professional hockey player was easier said than done, uh, the first thing I ever wanted to be was a, a TV weatherman. But uh, as, as time went on, science wasn't really my thing. However... I, uh, and maybe part of this is because I was an only child. I, I could, you know, I, I often had to keep myself entertained, didn't have brothers and sisters around. So 
I could just sit in front of the TV and turn on any kind of sporting event and I would be entertained. And uh, I would, I wasn't just uh, enjoying the sports, but I was enjoying the, the presentation of it. I, I liked hearing things on the radio too. Uh, the whole broadcast side of things just intrigued me even as a, as a little kid. So um, what I'm doing right now is, is something that I wanted to do going all the way back to elementary school. So, um, so again, I'm thankful for the opportunity that I've been able to have uh, every single day, but yeah, this, that, it goes all the way back to, like I said, all the way back to my, my formative years in elementary school. When I was growing up, hockey was my, the sport that I played the most. I tried just about everything. I liked everything. I liked watching uh, everything, but hockey was the, the sport that I stuck with. And, and what's, uh, you know, growing up in that time period, I was a 90s kid. So obviously, you know, I, I, I'm a, an employee of the Florida Panthers now. So I'm Panthers through and through. And people always ask me, you know, you, you grew up rooting for the Detroit Red Wings growing up in the Detroit area. And obviously it was an easy time to be a Red Wings fan back in the 90s when you had, uh, you know, the players like Iserman and Fedorov and Shanahan, Nick Lidstrom, Vladimir Konstantinov. You had the cups, you had everything like that. And I was, my family had season tickets. I was fortunate, fortunate enough to be at, uh, a lot of those milestone games, the, the first brawl with the Colorado Avalanche, March 26, 97. My dad and I were at that game. We were at, uh, you know, the clincher in uh, game four of the 97 Cup Final. We were there for the clincher game five of the 2002 Stanley Cup Final. So uh, we got to see a lot of great moments. And, and I credit those teams that I grew up with, you know, being the teams that really helped cultivate my, my love for the sport. So, uh, you know, I have a real appreciation for the history of the game, but I also realize that I – I grew up in, uh, you know, in a in a geographical location where it was really easy and really fun to be a hockey fan back in the in the 90s and and early 2000s, and uh, and I credit those experiences growing up and, and following those teams with what's uh, made me, you know, fall in love with the sport and, and continue to love the sport to this day. Do you remember the first game you ever called? Whether it was something you did in high school, college, before you were a pro, like the first game you actually did play-by-play for that somebody other than you or your family was listening to? <laughs> yes. It, I was in uh, – so I went and did my undergrad at Lake Forest College, Lake Forest, Illinois. Uh, they have a D3 hockey team there. It's actually the only NCAA hockey team, I believe still the only NCAA hockey team in the state of Illinois – and there's a campus radio station. And uh, I was, you know, because it was a small school, you know, there was a group of us that were interested in sports broadcasting. And we, you know, we called the games. And it was a unique experience because, you know, these were, you know, these were the guys that, uh, you know, when I'd call the hockey games. And that was the first sport I did play-by-play for was one of the hockey games as a fill-in. I was the color analyst my sophomore year. And uh, I filled in on play-by-play. And, doing the broadcasts on the campus station, you know, these were the guys that you'd be sitting next to in class, uh, you know, uh, during the week. And then you go and call the games on, uh, on Friday and Saturday nights. It was a ton of fun. And uh, I know that it meant a lot to the people on campus. It was a small school when I got there, about 1,400 kids. Um, and I knew that a lot of their parents were tuned in. And this was before there were, you know, video feeds of everything. We're talking, you know, early to mid-2000s, which doesn't seem like that long ago. But you think in terms of technology and the immediacy and the ease with which we can, you know, get content online, a lot's changed since back then. So our, you know, online radio broadcast was the, the best way for a lot of guys' families scattered across, you know, the U.S. and Canada to be able to, to be able to hear, uh, you know, hear their, their kid or, you know, their, their nephew or their friend's games. Uh, so 
it was it was a lot of fun. I knew a lot of people were listening, and I got a, a lot of valuable experiences uh, doing that. And a really cool thing too, especially for a small school. The guy who did the play-by-play before me is Brian Ray, who's one of the hosts for the Stars television broadcasts on Valley Sports Southwest. So a small school turned out a couple of guys who've gone on to get some, uh, you know, NHL experience. And I know there's a, a guy calling games in the ECHL right now, Cam McGuire in Idaho, who's uh, who also uh, is a Lake Forest alum who got experience doing exactly what we did uh, much later. Uh, but uh, but it's cool to see that a lot of guys have been able to, to turn that experience into something professional. All right, Doug, we're far from finished with you. Uh, we're going to dive into a couple other interesting things about you that, that, that aren't uh, – well, one of them is sports-related, uh, but we're going to get the stories about this because this, this is the idea where I said, Doug, we got to get you to talk about these other things some night, and you said, I will read. So uh, more with Doug Flake. It's when we get back to Inside Sports. <laughs> Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta Injury Lawyers. All right. The heavy hitters of injury law. Okay, so uh, here's the thing. We're going to do a couple more uh, segments here with Doug Plagans, Florida Panthers play-by-play voice, a very interesting guy. Uh, and so in, in your Twitter buyer, bio, uh, well, I'll leave out one of the things because we're going to do that later. But you like sports cards. Now, a lot of people like sports cards. We just I had a gentleman on my show last night, uh, Wayne Wagner from Wayne Sports Cards and Collectibles here in Edmonton. He joins me a couple times a year, and we shoot the breeze about sports cards. Um, but how... Like it's it's another level for you, right? Like you're really really into it. So like, how what kind of cards and how many do you have? Well, I like a little bit of everything, uh, and I guess looking at that, I'd love to go check out his store. We're we're in Edmonton on uh, December sixteenth, so uh, maybe on the fifteenth I, I could make a little little trip over. Yeah, but, it's out uh, by West Edmonton Mall. We can try to find a way to get out there for sure. Yeah, that uh, that could be a lot of fun, but. Uh, <laughs> But but yeah, so I I got into it as a as a young kid. Uh, my first pack of cards was 1989 Topps baseball. It was the cello pack. Remember the one where you could you could see the front and the back card. It was in that cellophane wrapping kind of. Hence the name, the cello pack. And I remember I, I had said something as a four year old about wanting a pack of baseball cards. So my grandma got me a pack at the grocery store when she was shopping. And uh, that was that was the first one. All I remember about that first pack of baseball cards is I didn't get any tigers, so that was <laughs> that was really all I all I recall from that particular instance. And then I remember I remember being at the Seven Eleven, and uh, my dad got me some hockey cards. Uh, they were up by the cash register, and um, you know, it just kind of grew from there. And I, I think I'm like a lot of people in that. I never fully disconnected. I always kept an eye on it. I've always liked cards and memorabilia too. Uh, you know, and I, and I've liked a little bit of everything. Um, but you know, once you, when I, when I graduated college, uh, you, you start working, you know, life starts happening and you kind of, you kind of get away from it a little bit. I always knew that, you know, I, I couldn't really, and I definitely did take a little bit of a step away because I, I knew that I couldn't just have like a toe in the water. It's either I'm, you know, fully diving in the pool or I'm going to have to, just kind of step back. So I did like a lot of people, you know, life happens, you do some other things and then you circle back to it. And I think in doing that, I, I think you, you kind of 
have a chance to recalibrate, uh, you know, reassess what you like to go after, what kind of stuff you like to collect. And, and I, uh, you know, I find myself to this day going back and collecting a lot of the classics still, just going back to the, the stuff that maybe I, I couldn't get when I was 10 years old. And I, it was just something that I would see in one of the Beckett price guides. I'd see a picture of it and think, well, I don't know how I'm ever going to get one of those. And now as an adult with some discretionary income, I'm able to, you know, be able to go to a card show. And if I want to get, uh, get something like that, you know, conquer one of those, uh, you know, uh, collecting conquests of my, of my childhood, I have uh, the ability to go and do that. Just over the last weekend, I was in Chicago at the National Sports Collectors Convention. Uh, I've been to it 10 times sporadically. The last three years, I've actually gone and, and worked it with, uh, with the fine folks from Fanatics. Um, I've had a chance to go and work with them at this convention the last three years, and it's a ton of fun. Um, and obviously, they're a, a, a great company with, uh, with a huge footprint in the, in the collecting and, and memorabilia space. So it's been a ton of fun to get to do that. But um, the, the stuff I, I collect, I like a lot of the new stuff. There's so much cool stuff now and so much variety that we, we didn't have back in the early 90s, for example. And, and one of the great things I always tell people is, you know, it's whether you're whether you're getting into the hobby with with ten bucks or ten thousand bucks. There's there's something there's a lane for you and there's a way for you to enjoy it. And there's it, you, you don't want to ever let somebody tell you how to go about it. It's it's your decision and your you can collect what you want to collect, collect what you like. And uh, you know, hey, if the stuff ends up being worth something, that's cool too. But at the same time, you should uh, just go out and, and find what you like to do, find your lane. And uh, and for me, I. I still, to this day, I, I still like Shaquille O'Neal and Peyton Manning cards. Those are, you know, things that I collected back when I was a kid, and I still find myself gravitating back toward stuff like that today. Um, you know, I still like to uh, go back and, uh, you know, find Wayne Gretzky cards that maybe I didn't have from uh, from before, from from back in the day, things like that. And I've, I, I, like I said, I like to keep up with a lot of the new baseball stuff. I, I've gotten into the, the Formula One uh, a little bit too, and they make cards for everything these days. So, like I said. Um, there's there's something for you out there, and I got to tell you too, having gone to this card show, it, it drew or it set attendance records, biggest card show that's that's ever been held. This one in Chicago over the weekend, I got to say, I'm really happy with the uh, you know the younger demographics getting involved, and it's really cool because that's the that's the future of the hobby. So it's great to see how many young kids are out there um, enjoying the hobby too, and uh, you know it's. It's not just, uh, you know, middle-aged guys. And, you know, it's a, it's a full range of, of ages and all kinds of people. And, it's and, uh, you know, everybody's out enjoying things. So it was, it was really cool to see. Doug, I, man, you got so much passion for it. I love hearing that. You, you, you're going to stick around for one more segment. And uh, we're going to talk about heavy music, which is another interest of yours. It's Doug Plagans from the Panthers play-by-play booth, Inside Sports on Chet. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates. Alberta's precedent-setting injury lawyers. Okay, so we got Doug Plagans with us. He's the play-by-play voice for the Florida Panthers. You've heard him on this show several times over the years. Really interesting guy, and we thought we'd take the opportunity this summer to get to know him a little more. So he talked about calling the the four overtime game and his early broadcasting career and uh, and a little bit on his passion for collecting sports cards. And also in his Twitter bio, he says he is a lover of fast, heavy music. 
Uh, and so I said to Doug this afternoon, tell me a song or two we can play coming back from a commercial. So what was that one, Doug? That one's called 96 Quite Bitter Beings from a band called CKY, and it's uh, that song's over 20 years old, uh, I believe, by now. And... Uh, and that's a band that I uh, a band that I like that I've seen a handful of times over the years. That's one of the things I like to do the most, uh, you know, especially in the off season. During the season, um, if the schedule allows, uh, you know, I'll get out to a show and things like that. I actually went to a punk rock show in Edmonton. Uh, this would have been probably 2018, 19, something like that. Out at the rec room, I took an Uber out to the to the rec room from uh, from downtown. But uh, but yeah, I, I like to uh, I like to go to shows. I like to go to music festivals. Uh, when to a they went to a really cool punk festival about a well now over a month ago uh shortly after after our season came to a close in columbus just flew up for 48 hours went and saw two days of music turned around and came back but uh but yeah i remember the old vans warp tour um kind of the traveling punk rock summer camp if you will um i went to in in my life obviously not uh in one year but in my life while that still existed i went to 34 Vans Warped Tour dates in wow. my time. So saw, saw a lot of cool bands over that time, uh, over the span of about 16, 17 years. Uh, so, uh, and then I like to go to, you know, we, we get a lot of, lot of bands that come through here. Um, you know, when I lived in Cleveland, we had a lot of bands that, that came through there and, and in the surrounding area as well. And um, I've had a, had a chance to see a lot of really cool bands over, over the time, uh, you know, over the time that I've been able to get to get to shows and stuff like that. So it's just something that's, uh, that's just another passion of mine. All right. So do you remember who you went and saw at the rec room? Yeah, I saw a band called Teenage Bottle Rocket. They're a uh, they're a, a, a punk band from Laramie, Wyoming, uh, that uh, I've been a fan of for probably about 15 years or so now. And I've seen them. I can't even tell you how many times I've seen them, but I really like them. And there's a, a baseball-themed punk rock band called the Isotopes from Vancouver, and they were the opener. And, uh, and uh, that was the first time I'd ever seen them. I bought their T-shirt at that show because I, I liked them. And I'd heard a, a, a song or two of theirs, but, uh, but I really liked the show. And I always like to, you know, pick up a, even if it's just a, a T-shirt or a, even if it's just a sticker or something. I just like to like to pick up something from the bands because a lot of these bands are driving themselves around. So, uh, you know, anything if I can buy something, uh, you know, for a couple of bucks just to, you know, help them get to the next show, I, I, I like to be able to do that. But uh, that was who I saw at the rec room, and uh, you know, I I, I know that uh, Western Canada, the the the. The fans of the heavy music turn out for the shows there. I, I know that uh, a lot of bands like to make the trips up there, and uh, and a lot of bands uh, seem to seem to make the trips up there to uh, to Western Canada. It seems like there's a, a pretty dedicated fan base for uh, for metal and and for punk and stuff up there. And I know just walking around Edmonton in the past, I've seen some flyers for some pretty cool shows. Uh, in the past, so it seems like uh, seems like a lot of cool stuff goes through there. Uh, well, I don't know how much you've talked to Cam Moon, but he loves going to live shows. I think you might like stuff that's maybe a little heavier than he generally likes, though. Though he likes to check out live venues if he has. I didn't know that you went to a show here uh, in Edmonton. Okay, we got another song for you. Kellen might have to put you on hold so you can hear it. But Kel- Kellen, fire this one. This is another one Doug requested. What's this one, Doug? What's the story with this song? 
So that's just uh, that's a song called "In Due Time" by a band called Killswitch Engage, who's one of my uh, one of my favorite bands. And oddly enough, like I, I'd seen them uh, a handful of times over the years. And when I got down to Florida, I came to came to find out and get connected uh, with their drummer Justin Foley, who happened to be a big Panthers fan um, and and lives down here in uh, in South Florida. So um, so it was really cool to make that connection, and and uh, it was really cool then to to be able to go and see to have seen the band before I knew him personally, and then to be able to go and watch the band and see you know from the from the side of the stage one time I had a chance to watch them and just see how. Um, you know, just how incredible musicians they are. But uh, I, I really like their stuff. They're a really good metalcore band that's really, um, you know, influenced a lot of stuff that's come after them. And they've had, uh, you know, they've been going at it for, for a long time now. And, hey, if you've never checked out their stuff, I can't recommend Killswitch Engage enough. And, and like I said, uh, the fact that uh, that I got connected with, with Justin and found out he was a big Panthers fan, that just made it even cooler. He's a huge sports fan. But, uh, but yeah, that's one of, the, one of the heavier bands that I've gotten into. And I guess I'm one of the – maybe this doesn't happen for a lot of people, but as I've gotten older, my, my tastes have kind of gotten heavier. I, I feel like most people, their tastes get lighter or they get – you know, they, they kind of – Get back to the classics. I don't know. My my musical taste kind of gets uh, more more metallic and more heavier as as time goes on. Well, I I love that, and uh, I I love talking about music with people because I you know I like uh, well you heard Van Halen coming back from break. I, yeah. I you know I like I like De- Def Leppard's my favorite. Uh, you know I like Foo Fighters and Weezer who. To me, are more oh, modern. Weezer, yeah. Weezer is uh, their catalog is perfect. Uh, there, I've seen <laughs> them a couple of times. I absolutely love Weezer. If I were, you know, it's the old. If I were stuck on the desert island and I could only have the music of like a couple of bands, Weezer would be one of those bands. So, are there any other broadcasters that you have bonded with over this style of music? Over the over this kind of music, let's see. If we're talking. Uh, you know, this is uh that's a tough one. I'm not sure as far as broadcasters go. Um, well, I mean, Mike McKenna does a lot of good on the air work now. He's a big metal fan. I know okay. he's a big uh, big metal guy. Um, I haven't had a chance to bump into him in a while, but uh, but I know he's he's a big metal fan. Um, I'm trying to think here. Uh, hey, I know our very own Randy Moeller loves his classic rock down right. here. Okay. In, yeah. Yeah. Yep. He loves that, his classic rock. That's, that's... Uh, you know, and and he loves and he loves live music too. We talk about that all the time. Uh, but uh, but yeah, as far as bonding over the over the metal and with people on the air. Um, how's the scene? How's the scene down there? It's it's very it's good. There's a couple of good venues to go to. Um, you know, we're getting more. It's and and there's more places to you know more places to go and see the music and and their uh, bands do a good job getting down here. That's the one thing. If you obviously if you look at a map, you see. You know, maybe getting to getting to Jacksonville or Orlando or even Tampa, um, you know, a little bit easier than making that extra extra trek to get down here to uh, to the southern tip of Florida. But a lot of bands are doing that. When they do, the crowds have been really good at the at the shows that uh, that I've been to. The last show I went to down here would have been. Uh, would have been Blink-182. I saw them not too long ago uh, right here at our arena, at uh, FLA Live Arena, which uh, I can I can see out my window, as a matter of fact, from where I live. So well, you live that, that close to the rink? I do live that close oh, to the geez. rink. And you know what's crazy? A lot of people tell me, too, 
uh, or a lot of people just assume that I walk to work. And if you've spent any time down here in South Florida, like that's that works. That works a few months out of the year, maybe right in the heart of the hockey season. That would work, but uh, there are big chunks of the year. If I were walking to the walking to a game with my suit on, I'd be you know I'd be drenched in sweat by the time I got ten minutes down the street. So uh, you know I, I live very close to the arena. Um, you know there have been stretches where like if my car was in the shop or something like that, people wouldn't even know that I didn't have a car because I can just uh, you know walk over to the arena, and it makes for a great place to go for uh, for a run. I can go run the perimeter road around the arena and uh, pretty much know exactly uh, you know how long that's going to take me and um, yeah it's a, it's, a, it's a good little setup here being this close to the building yeah, you, you might have told me that before now that I, I think about it but yeah I didn't realize you could actually kind of see it from, from where you live so. I, I think if I, I think I if I really hauled it because obviously it's you know it's a walk the parking lot's big and then when you get in the door you have to go upstairs but i bet you i could get to the booth in 20 minutes from where i'm sitting oh, right wow. now on my couch. yeah <laughs> well and people listening are like oh great this guy can't walk to work because it's too hot all the edmontonians who are like yeah we can't walk <laughs> to the games in december because it's, it's it's too cold well it's amazing you're going to be here december 16th um so i'll pre-book you for the show for december 15th and we'll try to get Absolutely. out to wayne's uh, wayne sports cars while you're here as well. Doug, this was an absolute pleasure. Thank you for being so generous with your time and telling your story, man. Anytime. Great to talk to you. Anytime you need me, just give me a shout. And uh, and I can tell all the Edmontonians out there, I always look forward to our trip out there. Beautiful building, great city to go to. I always enjoy it. And, uh, and, uh, and yeah, looking forward to seeing you and everybody else out there on December 16th. That is the one and only great guy, awesome broadcaster, Doug Plagans, the play-by-play voice of the Florida Panthers. This is six, This is Inside Sports on 630 Chet.